Ahí va Bota. Pelota para Eric Gutiérrez. Cae solo. El gol. Bota, gol. Indigo Mekis, the league where you're always on the verge of seeing something special or seemingly impossible. Credit to at A Forte 232 for that quote. It's something that I think I'm going to come back to quite a few times because it's a great, great way of quickly summing up um, a reason why the, the league is so special and why we all love watching it so much. Okay, and this week's show, though, we're not going to be talking about Liga Mekis for the big topic. We're going to be talking about uh, the CONCACAF Nations League. And this decision comes from uh, inspiration from at Danny B underscore 96, who asked me, will the new CONCACAF uh, no friendly games or the, the Nations League, as uh, I believe it will be called if they copy the UEFA um, competition. Uh, so will the CONCACAF Nations League stunt the growth of soccer in the US? And will Mexico, US, Costa Rica, Honduras struggle with bigger competition in the World Cup? So that was the question. Uh, I'm going to talk in general about what I think about the idea for the Nations League. And, you know, I know it's just something in the pipeline at the moment, but I think it's very important to talk about if it happens, it would completely change the whole structure of international football in the CONCACAF region and completely change how Mexico, you know, how Mexico's schedule looks and therefore will be a big impact on us fans. I think also I want to talk about it because I'm a bit surprised and also kind of annoyed that no one's been talking about the UEFA Nations League uh, this new competition starts next year and I have heard no one talking about it, I have read nothing about it, which is a real surprise because it's a major change a major change I, I, at least potentially a major change okay so the CONCACAF Nations League just to outline what it would be um, obviously we don't know the exact details, it is just an idea but if it's going to be anything like the UEFA competition, which from what I hear it, it will be. It's basically replacing friendly matches, so where there are FIFA dates that aren't taken up by uh, qualifiers or uh, tournaments already where teams play their friendlies. Instead, uh, CONCACAF will, will play a tournament and it's if it's like the Nations League in Europe, then it's going to be uh, separated by quality into multiple divisions. So you'll have a top top tier, and you know going on uh, down the down the ranks. How many different leagues they'll have, I don't know. But in Europe, they're going to have uh, four different leagues, and then within the leagues, the teams are split into different groups, which reduces obviously reduces the amount of games because it would be impossible to to play in a group of eight home and home and away you know that would be impossible there aren't enough fixtures available but yeah the the idea is to get some league competitions that go on over a period of time within international football 
and to get more teams playing again, playing in competitive matches against their uh, similar opposition. So the stronger teams in the top group, and then uh, your, your small the Caribbean nations would would be in the lower groups, and and so they they get to play again in competitive matches. You know, not friendlies. They get to play competitive matches against similar standard opposition. So I'm going to go through some pros and cons here of, of what I think about the idea. So I'd say the main pro is that I hate international friendlies, <laughs> to be honest. You know, I'm. it still surprises me that we have so many international friendlies and so many that take place just kind of randomly in the middle of seasons. The the structure of club football makes sense. You play friendlies to get ready for the season and then you play your season. International football, you have random friendlies dotted about. It just doesn't make sense that, that they that they play these games this way. And, you know, I, I don't think I've ever really enjoyed an international friendly and, and I shouldn't. The intensity of the game is always going to be lower than a competitive game. Teams are not going to be going full out, playing their best. There's going to be lots of substitutions, which breaks up the flow of games. I just don't think they're interesting. Um, I know that they are to Mexico fans. I mean, most Mexico fans will, will be happy to watch Mexico in any game that they play. But friendlies just, yeah, they aren't. They don't matter, you know? They don't matter, really. Unless they are used as a warm-up for a tournament, then when they're dotted around in the middle of competi- competition, competitive matches, they're just pointless. They're a waste of time. So, yeah, why not fill those friendly games, uh, replace those friendly games with competitive matches? On the surface, that seems like a great idea and something that I can definitely get behind. Um, as, as a fan, really, I can get behind it because I don't like watching friendly matches. <laughs> the other argument, uh, another argument, the uh, reason why it could be a positive move is that more competitive matches should boost the strength of CONCACAF. And I think if Mexico are going to develop and grow long-term as an international team, they need other teams to do it. They need other teams around them to provide them with the competition. Now, one possibility there is is some sort of you know CONCACAF Commonable merge, more games against South American sides who do provide the competition that Mexico need. But I'm not sure that's going to happen. I'm not sure that's possible. What is possible though is a development of the game within CONCACAF. You, the US certainly have a lot more de- potential development you know massive potential growth with the size of the country the economic factors and the fact that football is a growing sport over there or soccer is a growing sport Canada have a lot of potential as well you know they're massively underachieving right now they've again they're, they're a smaller version of the US they've, they're a big country with a lot of money so the potential's there and there is potential within the Central American countries and some Caribbean nations too I think they they can improve in, in the long term. Playing friendlies isn't helping. It isn't going to help them improve. Playing competitive matches against 
similar opposition, I think will improve. I think that's going to boost the size and the interest of football in those countries. And uh, yeah, that, that's only going to be a positive move. It will get more people into the game, more money into the game, which will help the long-term development of the, those nations and therefore the long-term development of Mexico because Mexico will have more competition. They'll be forced to do more in order to remain the dominant team in CONCACAF. Another argument which is similar um, is that, and, and I, I touched upon it just a moment ago with the potential for a kind of merge with CONCACAF, is a um, merger of CONCACAF with Comnable, is that this could be the joint competition. It's difficult with Comnable because of their World Cup qualifying campaign, they play so many matches, you know, 18 games. It's difficult to see where they'd have time in the schedule, but potentially this could be something where there could be some collaboration with South America. So they may not play a physical part in the actual league stage, but you know there may be some sort of playoff game where the winner plays the winner of the Copa America or something, something along those lines. I think there's the potential here to to do for this competition rather than the Copa America. I think there's potential that this could be the competition where we have a successful collaboration between North America and South America. Potentially. I mean, we'll see. But it, it's a possible positive of the Nations League. Okay, looking at some cons, I think that for Mexico, the... Friendlies in America make a lot of money. Now, you know, this on the surface is kind of, you think of it as a negative thing that they're just doing it for the money, but, you know, money's important. It is. And as long as it ends up in the right hands and it ends up being used wisely and efficiently, then money can be massive to help you grow. You think of it, obviously the Mexico national team make a lot of money from ticket sales and merchandise etc but all the youth teams the women's teams they're not money they're not going to make money you know that they need funding to be able to afford to play matches to be able to afford transport and the youth teams they're not i, I don't see how they're going to be making money really i think that i, I assume at least that the funding for youth teams and women's teams comes from the money that's made by the full Mexico national team. So the money that Mexico makes from these friendlies in the US and the ridiculous ticket prices that they charge and that Mexico fans always, always pay because they will do anything to see their team. That money, it can be very usefully used to develop Mexican football. Related to this point, I would feel sorry for fans in the US if the, the Nations League comes into effect and Mexico only play their home games in, in Mexico. Now, they may end up going on tour for the Nations League and playing some games in the US, which I think would be a good solution because there are so many massive Mexico fans in the US and they get treated to a lot of friendly games and I think that you know they deserve to watch some matches. But... I could see Mexico only playing competitive games within Mexico, which uh, would lead to a, a lot of disappointment between US fans who currently 
get to watch, you know, albeit just friendlies, but they get to watch their national team quite a lot in in the year, and and the team gets around different parts of the country well too. So, you know, they they manage to to get to visit a lot of Mexico fans who live in the US. So it'd be a shame if if these fans lost out the opportunity to see El Tri play. Uh, a couple more potential negatives. I think the I I gave the argument that the competition could increase um, the competitiveness within Concacaf, the strength of the other teams, and the challenge within the region for Mexico. But on the flip side, it may not. Teams may not develop from this competition, and we could end up with Mexico just playing a bunch of competitive games against weaker opposition. I don't know how the structure will work. Who knows, there may be an elite group where Mexico get to play home and away against the US, Costa Rica and Honduras, which would be fantastic. Or there may be three groups uh, in the top division and they get one game against Honduras and one game against El Salvador and one game against Canada. So it, it may prove to be great competition, it may prove to be too easy and actually um, not a, a more difficult competition for Mexico, uh, which would help the team. The other concern I have is in terms of fitting this competition in, what's the plan for the 2026 World Cup qualification? Now in 2026, now in 2026 CONCACAF will have six World Cup qualification spots if the FIFA plans go ahead. This is a lot, you know, a lot for CONCACAF. It's an increase of 2.5, and it means that they're going to have to change the qualification structure. Now, my hope was that we might see a South American-style big group, which would mean Mexico get are sure to play home and away against the U.S., and Costa Rica and Honduras and you know all the strong CONCACAF nations. It would also be interesting, I think, because you know the you see what having one big group has done for South American football. It's been huge. It's really helped to develop nations like Ecuador, Colombia, uh, Uruguay, Paraguay. All those countries have grown really well recently, and it's by far the best World Cup qualification in in the world. So. I personally really, really hope CONCACAF copy this idea and implement it. But finding time in the schedule is difficult, particularly now if, if we have this CONCACAF Nations League to fit in as well. And my, my fear is that, again, touching on the lack of competition, we'll end up with kind of removing the hex and just having the, the previous round of qualifying as the final round of qualifying. So... You know, the three groups of four teams, top two go through. And as we know, those groups are always pretty easy for Mexico. And as they're top seeds, and so are the US, they don't get to play the US. So it would be a great shame if, if that happens. And that's a slight concern I have. So CONCACAF, you know, the, I think they've got some... They've got a good idea here. They've got a good potential idea. And I'd like to see it work out, but they've got to figure out the scheduling to ensure that there's plenty of, of good games 
but yeah it's it's a nice idea in prospect and hopefully hopefully you know a, a good solution can come out and like I said, a reduction of friendly games in international football can only be a positive thing, in my opinion. This week's Player of the Week is Alfredo Talavera, who was absolutely outstanding for Toluca in their 1-0 win over Pumas. Pumas, far the better side. Uh, but Tala, every now and then he comes up with a really special performance and that's exactly what he did on Sunday. He made seven saves in total, including an extraordinary triple save. Absolutely remarkable triple save. And with the help of, of the error and great finish by Esquivel, you know, the error from Saldiva, and the, the the chip finish from I don't know forty odd yards out, Talavera really earned the uh, the points for for Toluca with with the help of that he he earned them the points and yeah he was absolutely fantastic and it ma- it made me think about the summer for Mexico you know I know Talavera hasn't always performed as well as he has for Mexico as he does for Toluca but he's still at least Mexico's second best keeper. And I think it would be a shame if he ends up just sitting on the bench in Russia. I know that Osorio has the potential to rotate his keepers. But if he just goes with Ochoa, then Taleb will end up just sitting on the bench. And that would be a great shame. So maybe it would be best if if Taleb goes to the Gold Cup. That's something I've been thinking about. You know, take him to the Gold Cup as the first choice keeper. Mexico have plenty of other good keepers who can can fill in if if Ochoa is injured or doesn't play well. We'll kick off this week's questions with a couple from at the colourful kit himself. First one is best football manager story. So this is, is pretty impressive. I'm, I'm a big football manager fan and player. I haven't played for a while, actually, but um, maybe may getting a little bit bored of it. But for many, many years, football manager has been my, my favourite game to play. I really, really, really love it. And I guess the best thing I did, it, it was pretty impressive, I have to say. I took a... I made my own team. So I made a team for like my local area where I come from. I started them off. I downloaded a league expansion and I started them off in the in level ten of English football. So, yeah, the tenth tier of English football, and I managed to consecutively win every single league up until the Premier League. So like the tenth tier, the ninth tier. Um, 8th tier, 7th tier, and then like the Conference South, Conference, League 2, League 1, Championship. I won all of those leagues consecutively. And then uh, it took me a few years and I think 14, I think 13 seasons it took me to win the Premier League. And then in my 14th season I won the Champions League. So that was a a pretty pretty good um, 
FM save and yeah, very, very successful. <laughs> Another one from at the colourful kit is biggest individual disappointment, coach slash player. So coach I'm gonna come back to in a in a second because it links into another question asked this week. Player it's tough. You know, I don't think I've been watching the league long enough to have a real major disappointment. You know, someone that you know, all the all the young players that I've liked are still fairly young, so it's not like their careers are over. But perhaps I'll say perhaps I'll go for um Giovanni Hernandez. I thought he was a big prospect when I saw him play for Chivas. You know, I thought he was going to be a big player for Chivas for years to come. And he's fallen out of favour. He's had, you know, he had a poor loan spell at Dorados. He's now doing very well at Coras de Tepic in the Ascenso. Seven goals this season. So it looks like he's ready to come back into Liga Mekis and, and have an impact. But yeah, I thought he was going to be a big player and so far it hasn't panned out. Only 24 though, so... Who knows, he, he may go on to be the player I thought he, he was going to be. But yeah, yeah, bit of a disappointment so far. Uh, thinking a few a few other players that have like come into the league and, and done really poorly, there's quite a lot of attacking midfielders, you know, creative attacking midfielders that have come to Mexico, have uh, had high hopes and, and just it hasn't worked out. Just to name a few, um, Maxi Morales definitely won. Fernando Belushi and Victor Vasquez at Cruz Azul and uh, Junior Sonosa at Pachuca who's gone on to do some fantastic things in South America but never never worked out for him Pachuca and so yeah those players were all disappointing you may have to chuck in Ruben Botta into that category as well you know attacking midfielders who, who came in with lots of talent uh, lots of you know big name a big name and just just didn't work out for whatever reason. Okay, uh, next question is from uh, at what about Chris three who asks what music do you listen to? So the genre or span of genres, I guess the best way to put it, that I listen to most is probably like disco, soul, funk, Motown. That yeah span of genres. I then also listen to a lot of house music which is kind of the natural progression of from disco um, a lot of house music has samples of um, disco music so it's kind of the progression from there and when I say house I mean old house you know 90s to early to mid noughties I don't particularly like the house music that's popular now I just find it a bit too kind of simplistic uh, there's less complexity to the to the songs and yeah um, I don't know it's it, it kind of seems like they they uh, just try they, they come up with like one hook and all riff and then just chuck that in with a warped voice and some steel drums and then like it's a hit you know but there's not much to it <laughs> um, I talk about music a lot at work so yeah <laughs> I've thought about this <laughs> Uh, other music I like is uh, reggae, uh, reggae ska. I like that quite a lot, especially on a good good summer day. Can't beat it. And what else? What else? Um, 
another thing I like a lot is something that I'm not sure any of you guys will know, which is garage music. So garage music is UK, like a UK thing, mainly a London thing. Uh, there was actually a really big garage song called It's a London Thing. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's, it was a short spell of kind of early mid-noughties. And I don't know if it ever made it big in America. But um, people like like Craig David, I guess, because he kind of spanned into pop music as well. You may have heard of him. He was a, kind of originally a garage artist. Uh, but yeah, I like garage music a lot. So yeah, that's a, that's a few things I like um, music-wise. At Fernando underscore Monteo asks, what time do you watch the games at in England? So <laughs> late, um, usually. So I'll run you through kind of how it works. So the Friday night games right now are a 3 a.m. kickoff. I very rarely watch Friday games. I've, I very rarely watch Friday games in my life. There was a time when I was at uni, uh, to, in my last year at uni, when I'd often watch the earlier Friday game when they had two Friday games on at once, but I very rarely do that now. Um, well, I never do that now, to be honest. Saturdays is is um, 11 o'clock, the first game, 11 in the evening, then 1 and 3. Saturdays, I usually try to stay up till 3 in order to watch as much as possible, which is a major challenge. You know, when I was at, at uni, it wasn't too bad because my bedtime was late already, but now that I'm working full time I get up at like 10 past 7 for work I have to say it is difficult it is difficult for me to do but it's a labour of love and then the Sunday games the lunchtime kickoff is at 6 in the evening which is wonderful and then the late game is, is now a midnight kickoff it used to be 11 but for some reason they've been moved back an hour this season so it's it's midnight and that's uh, yeah pretty late so all in all late kickoffs um very tough for me to watch and this is why when people say about Liga Mekis growing and and becoming popular in Europe right now it's just not possible you're, you're only going to get lunatics like me watching the league you're not going to get a mass following because there's only one game that's on at a normal time and that's the lunchtime kickoff and they're normally not the best games it's, because of you know the the heat during those games, so yeah, um, it's it's not possible to be big in Europe right now, and and that's why. A couple more questions to go. One from at Despadre on Twitter who asks, who has the toughest run uh, out of the usual suspects for Ligia, and who's your dark horse for Ligia? So. Had a little look through the runs, and it looks like Monterrey have the toughest run in, in my opinion. Next couple games, some very difficult away trips at Santos and Toluca. Two games they could struggle to get anything from. They then have the derby against Tigres. Tigres, you will need points to, to make it into Ligia, so you know it's not going to be easy. It's never easy, that, that massive uh, Clásico. And then their final two games are Veracruz away and Morelia home. Now on paper you think these look pretty decent, but looking a little bit deeper, you're going to have um, Veracruz will almost certainly need points 
in the relegation battle from that home match against Monterrey. Tough place to go. Um, so that's not going to be easy at all. And then last game of the season, home to Morelia. You know, again, if Morelia need points to stay up, then it, it won't be easy. We, how many times have you seen a team, you know, that that need a result to stay up, go and get it, produce a, a top performance out of out of the blue, out of nowhere almost? They give that extra ten percent uh, when relegations on the line and often teams are able to yeah like I said really produce an amazing performance so those five games to me look potentially very very tricky for Monterey and they've been in pretty good form of, of late they sit third in the table I think they'll make Ligia 22 points from 12 games is, is a great tally but they could conceivably not win any of those five games I think there are a couple of strong dark horses, and for differing reasons. The first one I go for is Santos Laguna. Santos are not the most exciting team. They're not full of flair, but what they do have is substance. They are pretty solid defensively. Izquierdos and Nestor Arajo is a good combination at the back. They're able to find goals from set pieces, really, really strong at set pieces. And they do have, have some quality players on the side. Osvaldito Martinez, Janini Tavares has been in good form of late. Julio Furch is a proven striker. And the youngsters are, are doing well there, from Rivas to uh, Sanchez Arteaga and, and Gael Sandoval, who has five assists this season. So I think they're a candidate. I would say other dark horse is Atlas, who are a bit different from... Santos, in the sense that they're more style over substance. Profe Cruz has not got much credit for what he's done at Atlas, but I think he's done a really good job. I think the decision to go with five at the back has proved to be a fantastic one. It's allowed their wing-backs to provide great support going forward, and Jose Madueña and Luis Reyes, now a Mexico international, have both been superb since this shift to the five-back. They cause nightmares for the Queretaro defence on Saturday. As well as them, they've got Clifford Abuagi, who was a fascinating signing and is now really, really showing his class. Looks like such an intelligent player. Very, very good technically. So good at staying on the ball. Um, keeps the ball really, really close to him. And yeah, he, he looks like he could... He could do big things in Ligia if, if they get there. Plus, you've got uh, Chavo Alistisa up front, who is always going to get you goals. Proven goal scorer for many a year now in Liga Mekis. So, yeah, Atlas, I reckon, uh, have got a decent outside shot of causing some problems in Ligia. The final question this week comes from at Nilsen Bohr, who asks, if you have the decision to give another year contract to La Volpe or bring Piojo from Tijuana to America, what would you do? So this links in with the question from at the Colourful Kit earlier, who was asking about my biggest disappointment, and coach was was one of the options. Disappointing wise, La Volpe. You know, La Volpe has been really, really disappointing in my opinion since he's been at America. I don't think he's done a bad job in terms of results. Obviously, getting to the Liga Mekis final, had Duenas not scored that, that header in the last minute, then he would have won Liga Mekis. So, you know, that would have been very, very impressive. And this season is doing okay. The fact that after the 
the terrible start he's got them into in Ligia contention is pretty good. But where I'm disappointed is stylistically. You know, La Volpe has always been known for having some great ideas about football, having a defined style, and he just seems to have lost the the interest in style uh, since being at America. You know, he's not playing attractive football. He's not playing attacking football. There's no, f- there's little flair on the side. There's um, not much sort of those short passing moves and yeah it, it, they've been really really dull to watch to be honest really dull to watch very un Liga Mekis team and yeah you can credit La Volpe for what he's done in, in terms of getting results with what isn't a great team one of the weakest America squads it's certainly the weakest America squad that I've seen since I've been following Liga Mekis but yeah, it's been disappointing because what I saw at Chiapas was one of the most attractive teams I've I've ever seen when he was in charge there, and this America team is quite the opposite. If they have the chance to bring Piojo back, yeah, I, I don't see why you wouldn't. I think he's done an amazing job with Cholos. He was fantastic at America before. He's a, a club icon, and at the moment, you know, the fans aren't turning out. They're getting attendances around 30,000 which is very low for America so they need to do something to bring positivity back to the Azteca and bringing back Piojo who's a fan's favourite great manager will will be a, a, a great decision and I think will help out the team a lot so combine that with a few signings and they need a few signings the squad isn't strong then Piojo would be a fantastic a fantastic move for them I think especially if he can bring some players over from Tijuana. And I've heard rumours of Avila Zotado and Guido Rodriguez potentially going with Piojo to the Azteca, which would completely change the team because those are probably the two best players in Liga Mekis right now. All right, guys, that's it for another edition of the Colourful Kit Podcast Extra. Thank you so much for listening and those of you who share this out to help help me get a bit more exposure. Um, Really, really appreciate it. Thanks again for the questions. Love answering your questions. Some really interesting ones once again, guys. And this week, big week, obviously, we've got the Jornada uh, DS games that weren't played due to the referee strike. They're taking place this week. I'm unfortunately not going to be able to catch much of it due to it being midweek, late games, early mornings for work. So... That's a shame, but you guys have a great week enjoying the Liga Mekis games. We've got another weekend coming up, so we're really, after the, these two games in short space of time, we're really going to have a great idea of the Liga race, and perhaps that will be what we'll talk about next week. So I'll see you then for another edition of the Colourful Kit Podcast Extra. Yeah,